Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Let's get it. Oh my god! Here we go, here we go. You're listening to Country Blues Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How you gonna get it, brother? John. Attaboy, Johnny, eat up, bud. Matt Casey. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. And Cody. What's not to love? What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. I am John. What's going on, everybody? We are also joined by both Matts this time around. Matt Hoagland. What's up, man? Your boy is back. What's going on, gents? Unfortunately so. And Matt Casey. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Derek, was that a sobering loss for you? Oh, hold on real quick, Casey. Hold on real quick. Hold on. Kick it, Hoagie. When did music get added to this show? How about them cowgirls? Oh, uh, also a friend of the pod, Anthony DeGrazio, would like his answered question. Derek, how about them cowboys? I'll be completely honest. I did not expect the beatdown, but I expected the loss. I know this team sucks when it comes playoff time. Did they have a good regular season? You could say that. Am I a little butthurt about it? Sure. Can I live with it? I guess I'm going to have to. Bill Belichick <laughs> next season? Is that the... I'm not going to lie. It's going to happen. And I'm not a it? fan of it. It's the flashy move. Jerry makes the flashy moves. And wow. it's just... It's written in the stars right now. Literally. Is, is Jerry still alive? I feel like he's borderline like Weekend at Bernie style at this I point. I wish. They're just like... I wish not. <laughs> We're... Yeah. From the grave. And McCarthy's as good as gone. Uh, yep. Belichick will be in there. Or Nick Saban. Oh, dude, no. don't even go there. I know. I, I don't even know. Like, I, I'd rather roll with McCarthy again. Honestly. Didn't someone say Harbaugh at one point, too? I don't even. Listen, let's get back to hockey here because we what haven't we even talked about. Yeah, we haven't even announced here. We are going to be joined here momentarily for all 20-something viewers, which I feel like is a high for us, Damn. by Jason Mertidis. He's going to be joining us to talk a little bit about a couple things that we need to get to. Uh, we forewent the emergency podcast because we figured we'd give it some time to uh, kind of sit with everybody and uh, everybody can digest how everything happened. We but were just we're, really lazy to be. To we be were. Perfectly we were fair. very lazy. We However, I'm a little weird. I don't think so. <laughs> but we are going to get into right off the bat here. The big news of the week. Cutter Gauthier being traded to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick. Yep. Now, we've had some time to digest. We've seen Jamie Drysdale play in two of the three games since. But, and I just had to hold in a burp there. John, first off, give me your initial reaction when that news broke. I mean, my initial reaction was I thought it was fake. <laughs> I um, I really didn't think it was real. I was like, how are we, you know, trading Cutter Gauthier? 
and, and if that's where you want us to stop this answer um, on the initial reaction, I thought it was fake. And then when I kind of let it sink in for a second, I was like, this is effing stupid. Um, but it changed immediately after I found out more. I don't know if you want me to dive more into that or you want to get everybody else's we'll get in, reaction. Okay, yeah. We'll get into that. Just plain and simple initial reactions. Hoagie, hit me. Uh, sorry. I uh, I thought my friend was, you know, just toying with me. I, I didn't think it was true, honestly. But uh, no, it, uh, I mean, I, I pumped Gautier's tires for when he was drafted by us. I, I watched a lot of his games. I, I like him. I like the player. But, I mean, we just got a solidified potential top pairing defenseman that, that is young and we can, we can work with. I'm, I'm excited to see what Bradshaw and Tortorella can, can do with Drysdale because right. the upside is, is phenomenal right now. Right. Absolutely. Casey, your initial thoughts when you saw the news break. Like the guys, I was surprised. I, I honestly thought this reeked of a Chuck Fletcher move, and I wanted to make sure that his Comcast account was locked. <laughs> but that was the initial reaction. But obviously, as more and more stuff came out, um, you know, we'll get into it, but um, not upset. Right. No, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, this is the doing of somebody who has a verified account, changed their name, changed their picture. I'm thinking there's no way they traded Cutter Gautier like the ridiculous saw the return and I'm like oh Drysdale it was, it was Gutter Gautier <laughs> Drysdale absolutely piqued my interest and the fact that Danny could spin it to a second round pick as well like I was excited but then I mean there were a lot of questions uh, that were left unanswered in regards to what happened why did we trade him um, and they were answered uh, in this past week so uh, I'll tell you what let's. Uh, if I can maneuver this here, let's bring uh, our guest here, Mr. Martinez, hey. Jason Martinez. How are you, my friend? What's going on, boys? <laughs> we crashing your, I'm crashing your show. <laughs> well, we're this. happy to have you, man. We're very happy to have you. This was uh, incredibly last second. Uh, Hoagie decided to tweet out about some questions, and the first question that popped up was one that we couldn't say no to. So <laughs> welcome I'm to the show. Doing first time, long time. <laughs> I don't love it. Right. So we're uh, we're discussing initial reactions here to uh, Cutter Gauthier's trade uh, in regards to the Drysdale and the second round pick coming back. Your initial reaction when you heard about this deal, uh, hit us with it. Well, uh, do we have to keep it clean? No. No. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> that was my initial reaction. I was and in the, the press box. just went down, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're too sensitive for that word. I got news. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, I'm sitting in the press box watching the first period, and you know, eight minutes into the game against Pittsburgh, and Charlie leans over and Charlie O'Connor and goes, "Are you on your phone?" I go, "No." He goes, "Get on your phone." I go, "Why?" And he goes. Just get on your phone. <laughs> and I saw it, and I'm like, what is going on here? And what followed was crazy. But mm -hmm. what followed also I thought was really good because, you know, they snapped into action. Danny Briere did the press conference mm -hmm. at right. the first intermission. Then Danny goes to radio. Jonesy goes to TV. Hilferty went to snow mm -hmm. the goalie. Mm -hmm. And they all said the same thing with the same terminology. Right, yeah. right. Winger. And, and, and it's like, wow, that they're all on the same page. So, um, you know, the way that they messaged it and, you know, they were all on the same page and I think is big because the last couple of years, I think we got different answers depending on who you asked a question to or right. what terminology they used. And 
it just sure. gave you a little feeling of a bit of chaos. Um, <laughs> right. And this was chaos, but they were oh, yeah. they at least were all on the same page. I, right. I think you mentioned it on your podcast, Jason, that you felt very disconnected to the game oh, uh, at that at that moment. And looking didn't back, I, I was just looking back. I was like, we lost to our arch rivals four to one. And I kind of didn't give a shit. Um, you know, I still it, know nothing about that game. Right. right. <laughs> I found out yesterday they scored a power play goal. <laughs> Tim Saunders said, oh, they scored a power play goals in five straight games. I'm like, they missed one. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Pittsburgh game. I missed like, the no, Pittsburgh I game. I missed one. Yeah. <laughs> right. And because it's five, Hoagie has to shave his head. That yeah, was apparently I have, sh- I have to shave my head now, but uh, I, I can't do that with the I weekend head it for right you. Yeah. I, I appreciate <laughs> it up, Jason. Yeah. Right. That might have been me tweeting out after a couple beers one game but regardless <laughs> we'll get into that later um so we've been through initial reactions in regards to this obviously the shit show that ensued after that but as well as briere uh jones keeping it very consistent in regards to how they viewed the trade how it went down and things like that but after a while things started coming out obviously that's no news to anybody in regards to cutter not wanting to play here in philadelphia so we're going to kind of take it step by step here. Jason, tell me your initial thought when you found out this stuff, uh, you know, from a fans, you might have knew this beforehand. I don't know. But like when you found this information out, tell me about what your thoughts were when Cutter said he didn't want to play here. Yeah, I, I was wondering why, because I didn't know. I mean, I recorded the podcast last Sunday night with Bill and mm-hmm. we talked about Cutter because World Juniors had just ended and, yep. you know, what the what the timeline was to insert it into the lineup. And does he fit as a center? We're debating center or wing. Like it meant anything. And we find out he's traded. Um, it, I think it's been confusing as to, you know, why he didn't want to be here. And there's been a lot of reporting from overages. They didn't want to sign him to an ELC, but then we hear from him that he wanted, did want to go back, you know, right. all of these different. And he, he said something really weird to me. He said, it's something between a personal matter between myself, my family, and my agent. I'm going, what the hell could that be? You know, it doesn't sound very personal when there's a few parties involved there. Like, yeah. And and then he said it's gone back a year and a half, but he was only drafted a year and a half. I mean, he wasn't even here more than a year at that point with the organization. So I think his message has been really confusing and it's all been a little confusing. Right. But here's what here's what I know. I mean, you know there's a new regime and you, they should at least be able to sit at the table with you and kind of, you know, present what, what's going to be different and you can air your grievances and here's how we'll address them. And and when John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp, you know, go up there in November and he doesn't meet with them and then he wouldn't meet with them when they went to the world juniors. And I I hear all this and I go, man, this, there's some really big red flags here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wanted the player here because I, I think he's very today NHL. It's exactly what they needed a scorer, a guy who can skate. And we saw in juniors, he could, world juniors, he could distribute the puck. And, you know, I wasn't looking to trade him for a right handed D or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I, from a hockey standpoint, I was very disappointed, but there's some really big character red flags there that um, uh, I, maybe, maybe you avoid that pitfall um, mm-hmm. sure. with what happened. I think the amazing right. thing, too, is, you know, you look at, it's not like they sent sent up an intern to go uh, feel him out. You know, you have probably one of the best American born power forwards of all time. Yep. And then former flyer and, and Stanley cup champ, Patrick Sharp in there. Um, you know, th- that's, that's just pretty insulting, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah it's very guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, um, it's a character issue. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there were four Stanley cups that are waiting to meet with you. Right. <laughs> right. right. Mm-hmm. Clara won one in 93 with, uh, with, oh, with Montreal. Montreal. 
Right. Yeah, and then Sharp wins three, and both played collegiately. Both played at University of Vermont, yeah. and I mean, they're look. They could, they're kind of a big fucking deal. <laughs> so, Jason, right. keep in mind these guys weren't born until like '98. So yeah. you and I are the only ones who realize what the '93 playoffs were. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the greatest things here too is is like the minute that you found out that Cutter Gautier what didn't want to be a flyer, it's like. Well, hell yeah, Danny Briere. You just got freaking Jamie Drysdale for a player that didn't want to be here anymore. Like normally when you think of those trades, Jason, it's like a fifth round pick, right? And they were able mm -hmm. to get like potentially, you know, a first pairing right-handed D. That's right. 21 too, right? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the mold it's, of the Flyers. Yeah. I mean, it, how many guys, how many times have the Flyers gotten the right guy, but at the wrong time in his career? Like you could build a whole Too many team times to count. Yeah. <laughs> Power Chuck to Amani. I mean, all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had so many guys that they got the right guy, but way at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, I think a lot of people here locally um, didn't know who Drysdale was. I mean, we don't monitor Anaheim these days because <laughs> they're a gong show, but. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a six overall pick, obviously, and mm -hmm. the number one ranked D in that draft in 2020. Um, so I, I think just a lot of people didn't know who he was. He, he didn't pop onto the scene like a McCarr or a Hughes, you know, that kind of, you know, splash into the NHL. Obviously, he's dealt with some injuries. Um, mm -hmm. But I think in just the two games that we've seen him so far, people are going, like, oh, OK, this kid can skate. Yeah. I mean, he's an elite skater. Yeah. And, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, Watching I think him. If you put him out there on the ice on a fresh sheet that was cut and nobody had been on it, you know when you go out there and you just see the first skate marks, mm -hmm. like uh -huh. the first guy to ski on a hill that's been just fresh powder. Like right. I don't even know that he would leave scratches. Like he floats above the ice. <laughs> the way he yeah, he's oh, yeah, unbelievable. He saw it in the overtime period too. In terms of three on three with open ice, I mean, watching him go, it, it's just when mm -hmm. was the last time we had a defenseman? Not you know, obviously forwards can do that, but a, a defenseman to skate like that. I mean, it, it's incredible. Yeah, Ghost wasn't a good Jones? skater, though, but he was a. But he was he was he was offensive mind. He was he was magic yeah, in three on three right. when he first got in the right. league. Yeah, when yeah. when it first came in, he was he was creative with the puck and, and can move his legs. Mm -hmm. But he, but yeah, I mean, Drysdale. The the thing that comes to me with the three on three was that back check. Uh, when oh, was that? that oh, was the, making was up it, for the turnover there. Was it the Montreal? Wild Montreal? Yeah, it's Friday game? night. Yeah. Yep. And, like that just solidified like we needed a player like that because no one's making that that back check and and you know negating the goal there and not yeah. getting a penalty too right right yep. yeah the minnesota the fans still, are still screaming about that i'm sure it looked like he did kind of sure. grab him with the left arm left hand yeah. a little bit but he, he swept the puck with the stick and and right. fires already on the power play at that point so you thought no they're definitely going to even it up but you know the right. thing is like that play and just his ability to use his legs to get back is mm -hmm. great but earlier in that he, he gets up on the rush and he makes just an unbelievable pass to mm -hmm. frost and sends yep. yeah. and frost didn't finish yeah. it but like you oh, see yeah. like there's some guys like you see him on the power play too like you watch guys and you go oh he doesn't look right in that situation right he doesn't mm -hmm. look comfortable you saw him on the power play, like head up, surveying yeah. everything, and he just mm -hmm. looks comfortable. And like that power play goal they scored in that game, I thought it was really important because he, right. he did something really subtle. He gets the puck on the left wall, mm -hmm. and then he kind of shimmied across the blue line with his head up the whole time, and he crossed the middle of the ice and went to the right side, which was the weak side, and it mm -hmm. shifted the whole coverage to that side. Then and he goes back to Frost. Him. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Frost goes back to Frost. Frost has all that time and space. He's got options on both sides of the net, and he's able to beat Mark Andre Fleury because Fleury's got to worry about those guys. And yeah. I, I think that that's just like a subtle little play to mm-hmm. shift the side of the ice that a lot of guys just don't make. They get it and they kind of stay there and they go give it right back to the guy. But right. that's a really savvy little play. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in terms of like that, I think it was that game at the press conference where Tortorella referred to him as a rover. I mean, to you, Jason, like how important to the team can someone in that type of role be, especially given the talent level of a guy like Jamie Drysdale? I think it's huge because if this was last year, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have thought it was as big, but because it's this year, I do because Mm -hmm. of the way they play this year. Like the departure from last year's Flyers and how they attack teams to this year. I mean, is stunningly different to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had asked Torts about this a little while back. I said, have you ever had such a sh- like a monumental shift in philosophy one year to the next? And he said no, because the way they play in transition now and how fast they play, it just lends itself to a Jamie Drysdale. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really play that kind of system in Anaheim. They're not a high transition team. But like you saw again in that Minnesota game, I think, yeah, Minnesota game, the first goal in that game, the Farabee redirect, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, that's a play that the puck comes loose through the neutral zone and Drysdale picks it up on the left side of the ice, just inside his blue line. Now, Mo, when he was in Anaheim, that would have been a DDD regroup, get the change in the second period. It's a long change, get fresh guys out and then play into the teeth of whatever the other team's trying to do structurally. But he mm-hmm. didn't do that. He sees two guys are going off the ice for Minnesota. So quick up the boards, right to Couturier. Couturier, one touch to Konechny. Konechny in stride through the legs of the defender, redirect goal. You know, it's an right. odd man rush. Unreal pass there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just ridiculous, right? Yeah. And, and, the, right. and the reason why that's great is because now you're playing really fast and you constantly stress your opponent when you play that fast mm-hmm. and you don't let them just settle into their structure and then they'll give you things knowing they're going to try and take it away. It becomes a bit of a fire drill and you're going to have much more success. Flyers have scored more goals this year off the rush than – I mean, we're just just over the halfway point. I guarantee than they scored all of last year. I guarantee. <laughs> I don't have the numbers tonight, but I guarantee it. Don't, don't bring us. Don't bring us back there, Jason. Don't bring us back. Yeah. <laughs> it's been too on par with the road. I mean, they, they oh, needed yeah. like a fire drill. That they throw the puck at the blue paint and and create chaos and have it off to, hit off somebody to score. They just right. struggled for offense right. last year. And to Torch's right. credit, he went with a really high pace. High flying offense. Part of that was because mm-hmm. Michkov and Cutter Gauthier were coming. They wanted to right. have the guys used to playing it until they got before they got here. But I mean, it is right. fun. It is fun hockey to watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> we said at the beginning of the season. I mean, a lot of us pegged this team. I'm sure you might have even been in the same boat. I don't want to speak for you, but we didn't peg this team as a playoff team, or at the very least, Hoagie was the one that was like, "This is a fringe." Oh, Hoagie and Casey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would, oh, okay, hold on. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I misspoke. You got you fault. guys were doom and gloom, and Hoagie and I were rainbows and lollipops. So <laughs> we were doom and gloom. Uh, we were. But in regards to your initial thought, like coming into this season, where did you see this team ending up when it came to the final standings here? I mean, I always when I kind of develop my opinion on what a team's gonna be, I go through all the question marks, I kind of list them out, right? And go, mm-hmm. okay, how many are there? How many of the question marks are there? How many of them need to be you know the answered if you will in a positive way and what's realistic i mean some of the question marks were enormous you lost Mm -hmm. bro you lost d'angelo so you lost you know a third of your blue line right 
and we go, okay, is Travis Sanheim going to be a top pairing defenseman all of a sudden and be able to, who's going to guy, who's going to play the 24 minutes a night. That was a huge question mark. And then and who's his partner going to be? Who's going to be on the right side? We find out Sanheim's going to start on the right side. And then you look, okay, Sean Couturier is coming back. And so is Cam Atkinson. All right. They're coming back. Are they going to be able to stay in? Right. What are they going to be? Right. I mean, I didn't sure. think Couturier was coming back and going to be the Sean Couturier from the 1920 Selkie season. But <laughs> oddly enough, when you look at the numbers, he's exactly that. Only he's playing a little right. bit more minutes this year. Right. Um, <laughs> and then you look at all these things, you go, okay, I'm asking too much to have all these answered positively. So I always evaluate and say, any team going into the season with a ton of question marks, that lowers my expectation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, Couturier coming back and just slotting everybody and being what he was, and then j- just the development of some of the young guys, obviously the goaltending. I mean, <laughs> this Unreal. this league, is everybody's looking for goaltending, it seems like. Like five teams have goaltending. Flyers have right. two. Right. Yeah. It's it's bananas. So, I mean, when you can go out there and roll out, you know, whoever you roll out in your net and they're going to give you a quality start and keep you in a game when they need to. I mean, that's just a huge difference in this league. And they've won a lot of tight games because of the goaltending and the D structure has been better and they defend less. Right. I'd actually tweeted that out last night. Like the Flyers don't really have anything to worry about in back to backs. Like you can throw hard or Urson and and we're both, we're both want to get a solid outing. I mean, I honestly last night, Casey and I were talking. Do we really want to watch this game against the? Against I, I was the I was scared to death to watch that game last night. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Erson Ur- Erson put up an outstanding game. Like the, mm-hmm. that third period, he stood on his head and he was making saves left and right mm-hmm. that I was I was so surprised by. It was outstanding it's- to see a backup slide in like that. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jason, you, you you know the goalie world better than most people that I've <laughs> that I've listened to. And the one thing that I can't get out of my head is Hart seems to let in that one squeaky goal every ten or twelve games uh, mm-hmm. on that right on the post, and it's under the pad somehow. It slithers mm-hmm. right through. I think Carolina he had one earlier in the season that was like a backbreaker. Yeah, um, that was the one from below the goal line. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. I mean, that's the one thing, but I, I have to oh, think that was that. the Detroit game. I'm sorry, where right. they came all the way back and then he gave up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you have to think that he's peeking over his shoulder, probably in a in a healthy way of like, oh, sh- shit, if I don't if I don't keep my game going and, and solve that stuff, Urson's playing lights out here. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you you look I, I think competition in the crease is awesome. I think it's mm-hmm. great because yep. while it's good throughout your lineup when forwards are competing for ice time or rolls or special teams, power play, whatever that is, I think that's good. But the goalie position is a little bit different because there's only one crease, <laughs> you know, right like even if you're on the third line and you want first line ice time, you're getting ice time. Mm-hmm. If you're not playing and you're the goalie, you're sitting there with a baseball cap on. So it is mm-hmm. a little bit different. And, it's, you know, the dynamic of the, the relationship of the two goalies is is really interesting because mm-hmm. you know you're a team guy as a goalie and you want your team to be successful and when you're not playing you're sitting there and you're watching the other guy st- absolutely steal a game for you and you're so happy for the team but you, you don't want the guy to fail so you can get the <laughs> right. crease so you're in like this weird dichotomy of <clears throat> shit how do i handle this right and right. you go okay the best way for me to handle this is just when i play just play balls out and play great Mm -hmm. because I can control that. So Mm -hmm. I I think that's part of it. And yeah, I mean, Hart has had some weird ones. I didn't love that 
Hartman goal in the Minnesota game on the yeah, short yeah. side, although he mm-hmm. did have to move good distance to get it, but mm-hmm. I know he wouldn't have liked it either. And there's been some weird ones with, you know, the ankle break on the pad where it slid under. Right. At, he plays a lot more minutes. So you're going to, you're going to have those. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, to get the goaltending, the level of that they're getting from both guys. And I think that one of the guys that we don't talk about ever is Kim Dillaball, the goalie coach. I think he's done a yeah, great right. job. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Cause I, I think a young guy coming into the league guys in a backup role where he hasn't been in the HL NHL and he knows internally to himself that he is an NHL goalie. Mm-hmm. To not play a ton is a difficult ask. That's why I always preferred the veteran that mm-hmm. was an NHL starter. But Urs has been unbelievable. I mean, you look at his numbers. You take out the first three games of the year. Last right. 16 games, he's 11-3-2. and two. He's only given up mm-hmm. 30 goals. So under two, two a game, 30. And the shootouts to boot and everything that goes with. He's been unbelievable. Right. Absolutely. That's one thing I feel like we've talked about kind of ad nauseum in terms of like a goalie's mindset, because we date all the way back to like when it was Mason and Neuverth and how in my head, I'm thinking like Mason was kind of a head case, wanted the crease, thought that Neuverth was coming for him, couldn't handle that. Neuverth, obviously, injuries just plagued his tenure here in Philadelphia. But like in terms of the tandem that we have now, like that healthy competition that helps push each guy where Hart isn't necessarily looking at Urson as like a threat, but as a, a bolster to his game. Whereas same thing with Urson, he wants the crease because he wants to overtake Hart. But again, keeping it as a healthy competition being the key point, because if it's an unhealthy competition, it's going to hurt the team ultimately. Yeah. It, become, it becomes uh, an untenable situation really mm-hmm. quick. And right. I think it's one of the reasons why Mace left was, mm-hmm. and look, like Steve Mason still had more goaltending left in him when he left, but he mm-hmm. couldn't fathom the fact of transitioning into a backup role. Mm-hmm, like right. Brian Elliott did that and right. made a shitload of money for years <laughs> behind Vasilevsky doing nothing, right? <laughs> right. You can make a lot of dough. It's a hard it's gig. To dream. Do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you go in there, you go in there into crap situations, back to backs. You know, yep. it's it's difficult job, but you can make a lot of you know good money doing it. Certainly better than you know being retired. But Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, like, it's interesting, too, because the pressure of this goaltending thing is, you know, Hart, his contract's up after this year. He's a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. playing for a new deal. Uh, Arison's playing for more playing time. That yeah, I'm sure they all know that there's guys in the system, whether that's Bjarnason or Kolosov or uh, Zagreven over in Russia, that they're all kind of looming there to be part of the equation at some point as well. So um, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a unique situation. The thing is that I think it's really important, too is the fact that you have two guys, you know, if one of them goes down and a guy like earlier this year when Hart was dealing with the illness, mm-hmm. Erickson had to go five straight, but it didn't string him out because he's not playing a ton. Mm-hmm. And right. if Hart went, or if Erickson went down right now, Hart would be okay because they're basically going every, Hart, Carter's playing like two to three to every one of Sam's games. So he's not ragged out. Mm-hmm. So he can right. handle that. And when you're in a playoff race, like you're gonna need you need two goalies because you play so many back to backs. Tomorrow night's three and four. You mm-hmm. know, you have I think sixteen games in the month of March. Like you wait, need wait. two goalies. Matt and back to back matinees this weekend. Wow, what a treat that's gonna be, you know. Yeah. Avalanche <laughs> Saturday <laughs> and, with the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. and then our old buddy El Capitan, Claude Claude Giroux gonna be in town. Happy 36th birthday, old man. <laughs> Jason, Jason, I think the thing that fascinates me, I mean, I know everybody wants to jump to this whole, like, well, Urson's playing well. Does that mean that we can get rid of Carter Hart? And, oh, and, I, see and, I'm not, and that's, I don't want to get that dramatic, but I think the thing that, you know, 
really interests me is the idea of like contract talks. Like in your mind, does this play a role that Ursa playing as well as he is when it comes to talking an extension with Carter Hart? I think you have to evaluate everything um, in the offseason when you're moving forward. I mean, you're dealing with a restricted free agent, so it's a little bit different uh, as opposed to just, you know, a guy's a UFA and he just walks. So it's a little bit different of a dynamic. And then, and then obviously you got to see, too, like kind of what, if they make the playoffs and the performance there. And we saw Hart in the 2020, I guess, 21 bubble or 20 bubble. Right. And he performed incredibly yeah. well in that stage against Carey Price and then against the Islanders. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you got to consider all that. You have to look at all that because this is a big, you know, the puzzle that a GM has to deal with is three really key components. Number one, obviously, is what we all see is the product on the ice. How do the pieces fit on the ice together? Do, does, do the players fit the system, complement each other? Are they in the right position from a slotting stand? All that stuff. So you have that. And then you have, you know, the dynamic of do the players fit together in the in the dressing room from a cultural mm-hmm. standpoint? And then fiscally, do they fit together from a contract standpoint? You have to figure this out. And we, and we look at it like kind of year to year, maybe a year in advance, but you got to look at a five-year outlook mm-hmm. to really, okay, we have these guys coming up at this time. This guy's going to need to be paid. Do we have another guy to take that spot if we move on? You know, so there's all those elements. So I think you have to look at everything um, and going forward and how, you know, how you're going to handle it. And mm-hmm. I, I do see those things too, John, where, you know, everybody online's like, you know, gun to your head, playoffs start today. Who's your starter? And I'm going, <laughs> well, first of all, don't put a gun to my head. Second of all, <laughs> um, playoffs don't start today. And, to me, you know, I, I there's not a goalie controversy. I know it's one right. of those things that's fun to drum up like a quarterback sure. controversy, right? But there's not, and everybody says, "Well, trade Hart and get a Hall." Well, you don't really get it's a not Hall. Not going to happen for the goalies. You just for some <clears throat> reason in this league, it's the most important position. But teams won't give up a Hall. They'll go out and sign a goalie on a free agent, yep, for a shit ton of money, right? But they just don't want to give up stuff to get them. I mean, look how many guys passed through waivers this year you right he got for free from anti yep. ranta and i mean jack campbell nobody's touching next to the contract but nobody's going to do that so you know this notion of well trade heart to edmonton for dry or whatever <laughs> that's not going to happen <laughs> right yeah. plus, you're, plus you're trading a guy that's going to need a new contract right, <laughs> right. and if yeah. he's performing well that contract's just going up so mm-hmm. um i mean don't make a strength an absolute organizational and team strength, which has been notoriously a weakness into a weakness. Right. right. Well, and I, th- I think too, like as a fan base, we're so, I mean, even from the Hextall years, like we're just so used to thinking future, right? Like we're just always jumping a season ahead or an off season ahead where it's like, yeah. okay, this player is playing great. We should trade them. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, finally we're at a point where we can kind of live in the moment. And like, yeah, at some point, could Carter Hart and Samuel Erson being, you know, solid goaltenders kind of make things difficult for the brass? Yeah, sure. But right now, it's fantastic because we're winning hockey games. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually you have to shit or get off the pot with one of them. I think you just will. I mean, because Erson is going, if he keeps, you know, playing great, and he's going to want to be a starter. And you get to a point where he's going to go, like, I do I want to sign with you guys? I want to be a starter. I want more right? because mm-hmm. like a player's only got one career, right? And he's got to maximize his career and maximize his income as part of a starting goalie is going to get a lot more money than mm-hmm. a backup. It's just the way it is. You can't allocate the dollars that way. So eventually you're going to have to make a decision 
on the two. I think it's way premature right now. And Sam's been great. Like Sam's been great this year. I thought he um, was good last year, obviously too, but the sample size is still small. Yeah, it's right. still a small sample size. This right. league, it's like pitching in baseball. You know, <laughs> the pitcher can go through the league and then they got a book and then you have to be able to adapt. And we saw it with Hart. Remember high glove was the, the issue. Right. Everybody yep. was beating him high glove because his resting position in his glove hand wasn't high enough. He mm-hmm. had to adjust. You don't hear about high glove anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, teams will get a book on you and they'll start trying to find ways to beat you. And it's going to be the goal. It's the cat and mouse. It's the goalie's game to, game to keep adjusting to the shooters and the shooters just to try and beat them. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a question going back to basically the, the past week and everything that transpired with not only the wins, but also the trade that happened. You know, you're around, you're, you're in the tunnels, you're in the locker room, you know the players and have more access than we do, obviously. How do you feel? Has this has this motivated the team? Has it, um, you know, like how do you think the team's mentality is with Drysdale coming in and kind of having a another quote unquote top prospect shunning the team and the organization? Do you feel like they give a crap or are they uh, using it as motivation? Yeah, it's an interesting question because initially I would have gone, eh, the players aren't really kind of in tune with that. They have right. so much going on with so many games. But then I heard what Travis Sanheim said. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, talking he about like a captain, honestly, he really did. And, yep. you know, and they're well aware <laughs> and, you know, you didn't trade anybody. So nobody got shipped out and right. you got a, a key guy to come in. I think that mm-hmm. sparks everybody a little bit and it, it's an acquisition without having to lose anything because obviously Cutter wasn't here. Um, but I, I do think that I think the group's been galvanized all year. Kind of mm-hmm. nobody thought we were going to be good. So that's part of it. And right. then yep. this happens and, you know, I, I think a lot of those guys are really invested in being part of the solution, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, a guy like Sanheim who didn't pout this summer, went out and said, you know, what? I'm just going to work <laughs> my bag off, come mm-hmm. in yep. with more muscle and ready to go and make last year the, the, the outlier of my career and went out and took care of business and has played his ass off this year. And then, you know, guys like connect me who, since the Drew trades taking more ownership in that room guy like yeah. Lawton's always been like, I'm here. I want to be here. I want to get this right. Mm-hmm. I, think, Boy. I think there's a lot more of that now mm-hmm. um, because like, Hey, we all want to be here. Let's make this something special. And right. I, and, and I don't think, um, I don't think we like kind of take inventory of the, the Danny Briere, Keith Jones, Dan Hilferty factor in that too. Mm-hmm. Like they do. They do know that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think players are always way more plugged in than they let on every right. player in this town. I did sports radio here for 20 years. Every player. Oh, I don't read the newspapers. I don't listen to the radio. They all do. They all do their names on Twitter. They all, they all do it. They do. And they, they, all, they, they all block John on Twitter. It's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they admit it after they retire, but they want to claim right. they don't while they're playing. And it's because to- you're human. It's a curiosity. What are they saying about me? What are they saying about my team? Mm-hmm. Can't get away from it. So yeah, I think that I think the group is really together in that regard, and um, and I think they're I think like to your point, case that like you look at them and you go, this guy's got fucking balls, right? You know, <laughs> you're drafted fifth overall. You're not meeting with the brass, and yeah. you know, like like who are you? Yeah. Like okay, we don't want that in, in our <laughs> dressing room. So I, I look at you know I look at yeah you know, the last time we had a a a good team was the 
going into the bubble basically and you know the the moment that that switched that was the oscar limblom news and and that whole story and that kind of brought that group in my mind at least as a fan together and i wonder if this is kind of a moment obviously less severe than oscar's case but like is this a moment that the team rallies around even more even though they were already doing well but uses this as like oh fuck yeah second half of the year like this is nobody insults us like this yeah, at least from um, a fan standpoint, that's how I hope they hope they feel too. Yeah, I think they do. I, I called it an inflection point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an inflection point for the locker room, and I think it's an inflection point for the organization, mm-hmm. um, just as much. So, you know, we go we transfer from, you know, the Chuck Fletcher to Danny Breer, Keith Jones, and Dave Scott to Dan Hilferty. Mm-hmm. At like I kind of did my top five storylines of of twenty twenty three at the end of the year. And the number one storyline to me was the fact that the logo at center ice doesn't have an ugly red line going through it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's symbolic that they're back to operating at a high standard that Mr. Snyder would have demanded. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the way they treat their fans, not as just customers, but they're part of the flyer family. And we've seen a couple of things. The fact that this organization is able to operate under cloak and dagger um, now three times on three enormous things. The president of hockey operations, nobody knew it was Keith Jones. It was going to be. I didn't, nobody even knew he was interviewing. When I heard it, I'm going, Jonesy, what? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody called me and said, I think Jonesy's going to be the next. Talking about. Of course, I went right into my Angelo Cataldi and Jonesy, (laughs) never. You know, Uh, but. So nobody knew that was coming. And then we find out after the draft that Michikov stayed here playing bubble hockey with his brother and his family <laughs> at the Flyers training center. I'm going, huh? How the hell did they pull that off? And then this right. situation with Cutter. And then the way they communicate with the fans now, you know, yeah. all on the same page. It's right. You know, I guess we took it for granted for many years, but mm-hmm. that's the way you need to operate. I think that's the biggest thing too, Jason. It's like, from Danny to Keith Jones to just the players, John Tortorella, it was the same message when it came to Cutter Gauthier. If you don't want to be here, it was fun to watch. If you don't want to be here, leave. And it's just, I think we got to the, I mean, to the point where it was like when Chuck Fletcher would speak, you never knew if John Tortorella or anybody else would have the same message. It was just like, Oh my God, (laughs) does anybody talk to anybody? But like, just this itself is just a breath of fresh air that they all seem to be following the same path. Well, what was the term, you know, uh, aggressive rebuild? Aggressive retool. Retool, retool, Charlie. I'll retool you. (laughs) Yeah, aggressive retool. One guy said that. One guy said rebuild. One guy said, uh, we're going for it. It was like, oh, my goodness. What Can we get in a room, boys? Oh, he said burn it down to the studs. Like, Yeah, crazy. And it was like, oh, my goodness. What is this? I mean, that's one of the big questions going forward, though. You know, how does – you know, how does the success of this season change how they operate? Maybe to mm-hmm. a, a small degree, but I don't think it changes it to any earth shot. They're not going to go out and start adding Sox and buy, become buyers. Yeah, right. Right. yeah, they're right. not doing that. I think they're going to stick to the plan and go, okay. See, the thing that's good about this, the success this year, is that it's organic success. It's not bought mm-hmm. and paid for. Right. Sure. It's because you're getting great goaltending from Sam Harrison and Carter Hart. Your guys are stepping up like Sanheim and York, who's played on a top pair 98% of this year at 21 years old. And you see guys like Tippett's got 15 again. Mm-hmm. You got guys 
coming up like Brinks. They've played 11 different D this year. Yeah. I mean, that's disgusting. <laughs> right. If you'd have told me they play 11 D, I'd say there is, they are 10 games under 500. Right. It's like well, the birds are playing 11 D at night if they keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to play 11 D and seven forwards. <laughs> well, think about this too last year. Last year, remember in overtime what they did? They were playing two yeah. defensemen and a, two and a forward. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. That, that is not the spirit with the league put in for three on three. <laughs> right. let, let me ask you this, Jason, because you know we've all been through the, the gauntlet over the last, what, four years, I guess, where I, 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 I'm hesitant to get excited, and I know you've talked about this in length, but it's so hard after seeing, you know, what, three games in a row now. At what point in the season will you actually believe that like hey we're actually a legit team i mean i i think we have legit games but i'm just i'm 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 so hesitant i've been hurt too many times here um you start you say okay we're there yeah uh, there was a guy that commented on one of the flyers daily youtube videos um about two weeks ago and he said the team is actually fun again. This is where right. the losing begins. Yeah. Like we're so afraid, right? Because right. we've had we've fallen too many times to have the girl then dust us. Right. You know, it's it's hard because you know, nineteen twenty was legit good year. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the underlying numbers, they were seventh in scoring, seventh in goals allowed per game. You look at this team this year, you look at all the top teams in the league this year. Mm-hmm. from a points percentage standpoint what do they all have in common they all have in common that they don't give up a lot of goals they don't score the most you know they don't score like edmonton or toronto they just win games and don't give up goals i think that's always the number one trait defending i think is key and then when you get into really crunch games at the end of the regular season in the playoffs that's how you have to play you can't win games six to three in the mm-hmm. playoffs it's just rare so mm-hmm. and i think those teams aren't they don't have the they're not battle tested in that way where mm-hmm. every inch of the ice is contested. But this team, I mean, like I'm trying to case, I'm trying to stay even like, you know, cause I've been hurt before too, just like everybody else. You know, I got, you know, I feel like Quentin jaws. I don't, I don't know if you guys, right. know, you guys, you know, when they're sitting in the yeah. boat and they're, yeah, this one's from a 14-foot mate, and he throws the scar. To me, that's this, like, you know, the 2018 season sitting right there, you know? This one's from Brizgalov. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, I got a Briz scar. I got a Vinny LeCavalier on my back. I got all these. What about Andy McDonald? Where's that, where's that one at? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> In an area you don't need to see. But, um, <laughs> like, like. like I don't ever want to tell like fans how to fan, you know, mm-hmm. Right. just go with how you go with your gut and feel it. And what I know is that the team is really fun. It was unexpected. They play mm-hmm. a brand of hockey that is really fun to watch. It's not this plotting style and mm-hmm. they do, they, they play the game. I always refer to it as they play it really honestly, mm-hmm. you know, like where you can look at yourself and say, did I go out and play, give an honest effort, like <laughs> prepare to play, play that way and, you know, make the best decisions I can at that time. And I think they have a lot of guys that play honest. Like when I talked to Cam Atkinson it, after AV, I guess it Mike, or no, it was Cam's first year here. Mm-hmm. And I talked, I did the exit interview with him for Flyers Daily. And we were sitting in a conference room and at the skate zone. And I asked him after the interview, we got done recording. I said, 
what do you think about torts? And he got up and he walked over and he shut the door. <laughs> I came back over and sat down and I said, oh, this should be good. And, <laughs> and he just raved. And he just basically said that if you just play an honest <clears throat> kind of game, you have no problem with him. Mm-hmm. You just you have to have accountability, self-accountability. You have to hold yourself to a high standard and play in an honest way. And this team, I think, has got a lot of guys that will do that. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Atkinson's one of them. Um, Couturier is one. Konechny's become one. I think he's kind of dropped the the punk act a few mm-hmm. years ago and yeah. really matured as a player and matured yeah. as a leader and a citizen here. He's married, he's got kids. I think he's just – we've seen this maturation. And then mm-hmm. on the blue line, like Sanheim has got a lot of pride and a lot of those guys do. And I, I think that's the thing. Just – Go with it, feel it. Mm-hmm. Look, if it, I'm not saying they're going to end up even in the postseason, but if they get in, they lose in the first round. It's not the same as 2016. They're building mm-hmm. something here because they're young, right? And right. they've played 11 D this year, and there's going to be some change. They, something's got to give on the blue line. Like somebody's got to go. They can't play where, 11. Where, where do you see that going, Jason? By the way, that was one of my big questions for you. Is like, yeah, we 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 got we got a log jam at this point, which is a good problem to have, but you know mm-hmm. something's got to give. Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is Sean Walker, who's got really good league-wide value right now. And you go, well, yeah. when are you going to are you going to do it now? You're going to kind of jump the he- deadline, which is still probably about 50 days away, mm-hmm. to do it because you can't run 11 and seven. Or, I mean, what you want to do is you want to create a market for him in a bidding war because that's how you get the most. So, I mean, I think that's the obvious one with the acquisition of Drysdale that caused a pivot point for them and how they handled the deadline. Um, so I, I would expect that. And then you look at a guy like Sealer, what's the market going to be? You know, if I'm getting a fourth round pick for Nick Sealer, I'm not moving him. Right. Agreed. I'm right. not 100%. I, for a 7% chance at a guy that's going to play a hundred games in the league. I'm not going to do it. I I'm just, I'd rather keep him than do that. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you have Zamula and you still have stall. I don't think you're going to get anything of significance for stall. You might as well keep him and just rotate right. him in at, right. and have an insurance policy in case somebody gets hurt. I mean, you still have, I mean, Andre played four games for him this year, but I think mm-hmm. leave him down, let him keep doing what let he's him, doing down there. Right. Getting all same thing. I said it a week or so ago. I wouldn't mind if they did make a move in regards to stall or uh sealers, Walker, bringing up a guy like Belpedio. I thought he played well when he was here, you know, serviceable enough that you could keep him on a third pair capacity. Um, you know, that way, if they do get, I'm not going to say blown away by a trade for stall, like no one's going to give up a crazy pick for him. But like you mentioned a fourth round pick, like I might be OK with parting for a fourth round pick for stall, putting Belpedio in, let him rotate and, and do his thing there. Yeah, I think with with stall, I'm definitely of a different mindset than I am with Sealer because stall doesn't right, right. play every game. And Sealer's one of those guys that just like he is beloved in that room because oh, of the way he plays and love the it. way. Yeah. I mean, he like, you saw it in that one game. It was the Detroit mm-hmm. game yep. where they get down in that yep. game and then, and he gets kicked out and that, that like that ignited, they scored two goals right yep. after that. Yeah. And uh, so to me, he's one of those guys that he's, he's been really good on that second pairing. Um, and I, he means even more because of what he brings just to the group from a camaraderie standpoint and all that, like Belpedio played 12 games. I thought he played well. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I thought he yeah, did yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, we don't want to keep you long. I know you've been on the show with uh, Bill earlier tonight uh, with us tonight. Up to you if you'd like to stay. Totally cool. But if you need to go, man, I, I don't want to keep I'm you. I'm fine, man. Longer. I got nothing. I, I already tucked the kids right. in. We're good to go. There you go. That's why I was missing for a good 10 minutes there. I had to tuck the uh, the oldest in. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I missed a good majority of the show to this point because i had to go father of the year <laughs> right but uh in terms of like where we were going with this conversation uh, what we wanted to touch on in terms of the three games uh most recent three game winning streak we touched on the goalies as well john probably knows better kind of where we left off and where we want to head so john do you want to i mean honestly i think like we've hit it all to this point yeah do, do yeah. we have some of the questions, some of the fan questions? Yeah. That, uh, we do oh, actually have some of the questions. questions. Yeah. Let me pull Fire's these up. Twitter always you. rational. <laughs> oh, always, always. <laughs> Let's get into it here. All right. So first question comes from Wexler Smith, and I did kind of glance at these. A lot of them are more statements, but we can roll with it. Uh, with the Drysdale deal, the Flyers are one piece away this season. They need to unlock the power play and create scoring depth for postseason line matchup. Who is that guy, and what assets do you move for that player to have picks and goaltending prospects? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, no. Nope. I'm, I, and I'm not just going, well, they scored power play goals in five straight games, so they don't need a – no, I mean, the power play is still – it's a huge question mark, even though they're on a bit of a heater right now. But, no, I'm not trading to get a, a power play guy in here. You know, right. that I mean, to me, a power play guy is a top six forward, right. and I'm not swinging a deal for a top six <clears throat> forward. I, right. I, I'm not giving up assets because if I if I give up assets and don't trade a rostered player, then I then I ha now have too many bodies. Yeah. I have to take right. some contracts. You know, yeah. I just I don't want to do it. So I, I'm not interested in that. I think you stick to the plan of the rebuild and, you know, you let this group determine where they go. Right. And, right. and look, there might be some subtraction and there's going to be subtraction in the offseason. There always is. Um, so I but I'm not looking to go out there and try and make some splashy trade or something like that to improve the power play. I'm, you, this group's got to figure it out. And they have for now in the last five games, but we'll see if they can keep doing it. Right. right. Everybody else in the same mindset, I would assume. I mean, honestly, I, I think it's going to be another like addition by a subtraction towards towards the deadline, towards postseason, whatever it is. I mean. Kumal is down in the AHL. He's turning it up right now. He could be someone that slots in if you, if you trade away a veteran on, on in the in the forward group. So there, there's options there. And I, I think, like we said, the front office is all among the same mindset of, you know, rebuild. We're not giving up assets, stuff like this. Like, we're not going out for, for a top six center right now. That's that's not in our wheelhouse to do. I, I think you also have to look at, uh, you know, do you do a straw poll? Who actually wants to be here? Because that's clearly a deciding factor <laughs> of uh, some of the prospects. Kind of joking, but kind of not. Like, is there anyone that, like, oh, this guy just doesn't feel into it. I don't know who that would be. I also just take issue with the question that we're one piece away. I don't believe that's true. I think we've over... I agree. I, we, we, we've over-accelerated our, uh, you know, the expectations at this point. But we're, we're halfway through the season. Like, this... This is two weeks away from us being right there with uh, not quite as bad as Columbus, but like, you know, we can right. go drop down like a brick pretty quickly and right. in a tight so, division, you know, too, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. As, of, as of right now, um, the Rangers beat the, the Capitals. So we're, there's there's 10 points from first to seventh in the Metro. That's, That's right. I think the thing, too, is it's like it was it was just this past offseason that we 
finally admitted we're in a rebuild. Like we're, we're not just all of a sudden going to change our minds. Like we are in a rebuild and in a playoff position. Just enjoy it. Right. Don't, you know, don't bring in Keith Yandel. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, another question here we have from uh, Darian Thatcher. Uh, if we think Urson is a long-term player here, but Hart is the starter now, right? Then should Torts seriously consider a rotation in the playoffs? Still a long way away, but hmm. seems like the simple answer to that question: Who's your playoff starter? Both. He think I should clarify. He thinks both of them are the starters. We're doing a one A one B type situation in the playoffs. Um, obviously, as the uh, mind on goalies here, Jason, what's your take on that type of uh, situation? There. Did he say the simple answer was both? <laughs> uh, that's according to him. Well, that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I totally disagree. Um, I, I don't think you ever go into a playoff going, we're going to rotate guys. Show me a time when it's worked. You right. know what I mean? You, you got to go, okay, this is the guy. This is my guy. And he's going to play. If he falters, you know, like last year, you look at Florida, right? Um, Alex Lyon comes in, plays the last six games or eight games of the year, helps them get into the playoffs. They had some help to get there as well. Pittsburgh choking, you know, losing to Chicago and all of that that took place. And then a couple games into the playoffs, Al lost the crease to Bobrovsky, who went on a great run. But that's a different situation. No, you don't go both. I mean, if it's okay to go earlier in the show, if gun to my head, and playoffs started today. It's Carter Hart all day. Right. And that's the simple answer. And he's the guy. He's getting every game. He's going to prepare like he's got the series. There's a flow to a series for a goaltender, too. So, no, I, I am not in favor of uh, both. Certainly right. not both. Right. And in how many occasions have you seen the starter end up giving up the crease to the backup? Like, I mean, we saw it with Chicago in 2010 with Niemi. We've seen it with plenty of other guys across the league Cam and plenty Ward. of other teams. Cam Ward, exactly. You see yep. the guys step up in key times and that you have to ride the hot hand in that instance. You're not saying, well, he was my starter in game one of this first series. No, that doesn't mean shit to me. If the guy's playing hot, you play that guy. He's going to win you the games. Yeah, if you go on a heater – don't overthink it. You can't overthink right. it. The right. position is just well, too consequential in tight playoff games where you go, if this, if I take this guy out and he was going to go out there and give me another, you know, 38 saves on 39 shots, I'm the idiot. I'm the fool. So you have to right. ride the hot hand if, if you're dealt that hand. But I think Absolutely. going into it, you got to, you got to commit, you got to commit to yeah. a guy initially. And you, if you have to pivot, you have to pivot, but you have to commit and you can't commit to two. I, right. I think the, I think the biggest benefit that the Flyers have, at least as we stand right now on January, whatever date it is, 14, 14, is that I think you have full team confidence in both goaltenders. And I think everybody's on board with saying, yes, it, you know, hypothetically, if we go to the playoffs, you know, you want to ride one guy. But, you know, you look back even to the beautiful 2010 run, you know, what mm-hmm. what happened there? You know, but Bush ends up getting hurt and, you know, you have to go with Leighton and Leighton, Leighton. Um, I, I've sw- I, I, on, I, I, no, I, I've, I've men in black that name from my from my mind for a little bit. Uh, but you know, it, it's a nice problem to have, but it's really like the confidence level in the team with them that they don't have to change their playing style based on who's in net, at least as it stands right now. Yeah, 2010 right. is pretty interesting because that was Emery's team, and then yeah. Emery got the hit that year, right? And yep. then you know, 
you get into the playoffs and then, you know, Bush gets hurt and then Leighton's got to go in, then Bush comes back and then Leighton's got to go back in. And (laughs) I remember at one point point in the um, Montreal series, because the bench, the locker room tunnel and the bench aren't on the same side of the ice at the bell center. Mm -hmm. The backup goalie actually sits across the ice. Right, the, tunnel, yeah. the benches aren't big enough in Montreal. They just fuck with everything, just to fuck with it, <laughs> right? Because they can, they think they invented right. the game. So Montreal. I, I was set up in that tunnel down there for the intermissions and stuff, and I was watch the game right there next to Johan Backlund, who was a backup Backlund. for some of those games. And um, yeah, I mean, great story during that series in 2010. Game three of the series, Flyers had home ice. The first two at home, they win both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Leighton, I think, had a shutout in both. By the way, three shutouts of the five games in that series. And we go to Montreal. And in the first period of that game, I'm over there watching with Johan Backlund. Players just keep coming off with skate issues nonstop. Oh, the same. The yeah. same. <laughs> yep. And we're like, what is going on? And somebody like rubbed their hand across the carpet and like sand came up. So we all like had to snap into action, like the trainers and stuff. And I'm helping them. And we're finding like big pieces of cardboard to lay down. So they don't walk <laughs> on the sand. Oh my God. So, yeah. True story. Game. game I, can't believe, I, I always heard the rumor, but it's good to hear that that was confirmed by, by someone yeah. who was there. Yeah. Wow. Sand. Sand. sand on a skate blade. No good. Right? <laughs> Those sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> so we had one more more so comment than anything, uh, but it could spark a discussion as small of a discussion as it could be. Uh, Rick Pontition uh, says that a few things about this team that you can't deny is that they have heart fun to watch. They play for each other and the fans. I, I feel like that's pretty obvious. I mean, playing for the fans, you could say, but like the heart, you can't deny. I mean, Tortorella said it. He didn't mention heart, but another body part that he mentioned, this team's got it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a team's got balls. I mean, you see it every single night. So like, your general, like, I guess, observation, you could say, Jason, in terms of like this team today versus maybe other teams, uh, Tortorella's first year, comparing it to AV, general, general observations. Well, I think there's a lot of dynamics that go into that. Number one is the standard that the coach sets and right. the penalty if you don't play to it. I think we've seen pretty obviously in Torts now almost two year and a half here. It doesn't matter who you are. Cam Atkinson was healthy scratched. Travis Sanheim was healthy scratched in Calgary last year. Uh, Morgan Frost was healthy scratched in Toronto. Bobby Brink was healthy scratched in Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. Had a ton of family there. He doesn't care. He can't determine his lineup by geography where you are. Is that coincidence, Jason? Or do you think that that is a (laughs) full-blown tactic that he's using? I don't think it is. But, um, I mean, he just holds everybody to the same account. You know, Mm -hmm. Travis Konecki has been benched this year. And what that one, the first Pittsburgh game, you know, he didn't play for the last six minutes of the first period and the first eight minutes of the second period. We saw last year in early in that season, that game against San Jose, the Flyers were down three nothing to the Sharks. And mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes and, and TK didn't play at all in the third period. Joel, right. Joel Fireby got two shifts in that one game because he didn't listen. And then he worked the door <laughs> the rest of the night, you know. Uh, so that go, that goes into a big part of that. And then, you know, the accountability player, you know, self-accountability is a big part of it. But they do, they they play incredibly hard. And I think we've seen teams in the past, like that Minnesota game, you get down by two in the third. Right. You know, a lot of teams go at three and four days, we're on the road, you know, kind of chuck in the rest of the game. Think about the Detroit game. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. They played Prime Detroit example. six days prior to a one nothing game, right? Yep. And then six days later, they play them right before the break. They're down five one in the first. I mean, you could have drove a semi through the middle of the ice against them that night. It would have been simple. They yep. th- that first period was abysmal, and a lot of teams would have just packed it in, but they right. didn't. And they worked their bag off. They come out only with a point in that game, but that game was pretty symbolic, I think, of mm-hmm. the fact that okay. We dug ourselves, we got the shovel out and dug our hole. Let's get ourselves out of it. And a lot of teams don't do that. And I think part of that is also just the turnover of leadership, mm-hmm. you know, to, to different mm-hmm. guys and different voices. And hockey's weird because, you know, players, you know, when you come up through the ranks of hockey, I think it's why I, I have a really strong belief that the reason why coaches are fired and teams do well and because they lose their voice really quickly is because every two years in growing up, you, go up to another level and you get a new coach mm-hmm. like high-end players are playing yeah. tier one, you know, in peewee, they had a coach for two years. They went to Bantam. They got a new coach, mm-hmm. new yeah, voice, right. new system, new expectations. Then they went from Bantam. They went to midget <laughs> and junior. So right. you're, it was always evolving. And I think that's part of it. So, which, which kind of defies the logic on torts. Cause he's got such a long tent, like an average of 4.3 years per job, mm-hmm. way higher than league average right. for a demanding guy. So, um, yeah, I think that they're just a team that I think they got a lot of belief. And like you said, I think they got a lot of balls too, because a lot of times you're not like that Winnipeg game, they're not supposed to win that. But if you're right. ignorant yeah. of the fact that you're not supposed to win it, then you get a shot. Right. Absolutely. All right, guys. Any other thoughts in regards to that? Or uh, I think it's time to wrap up. Old man John here needs to get to bed. Time John. to get to bed. Gotta get gotta get to my, my rest. <laughs> I gotta get to John's house because he's got that beautiful mic hanging there, but he's not using it. Right. I said the same thing last week. Computer audio that we're hearing. That's not your mic. Get out of town. Input is messed up. I told you, man. I told you. I I pushed the buttons and it said that it was the mic. When he says old man John, he's not lying. John, I got like a nine dollar mic here that's better than that whole setup that you have. Listen, it's all about the visual. Right. It's all about the vision. No. One of those fake mics. This doesn't actually have a plug, right? This, it ends here. We're not usually, actually even recording, Jason. This has all been a ruse. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, real quick then before we sign off here, Jason, uh, anything that you would like to plug? Uh, the floor is yours, man. Um, I don't know. Flyers Daily, um, which is every day. Yeah. Um, daily. Um, <laughs> it gets to be. I thought it was going to be a grind this year. It hasn't been. So there's been a lot of years where I'm going, holy shit, I got to do another episode tomorrow. We we what? thought the same thing going into this year. When I started on the broadcast, I I had to remove somebody from it. And I was like, I'll just I was at WIP at the time. I'm like, I'll just do it the rest of this year. That was 16 mm-hmm. years ago. <laughs> I'm still doing it. <laughs> Jesus right. shit. Um, so Flyers Daily. And then I have uh, Stick to Hockey Live, which I do with Anthony DeMarco. From the fourth period.com and um what else do I do? Oh, Aji's the podcast with Harry Mays that I do once a week as well, okay. my old radio partner. So I don't know. Right. I, well, I don't hockey know. and hounds. Don't oh yeah, hockey. I talked go. to Torch today for hockey and hounds. <laughs> and um yeah, and I love doing it with him. And it was nice today because um he wasn't cranky. Although <laughs> how could you be, right? <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be visiting Winnipeg anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean he's I when you get him in that right situation and like we see all the, you know, the press conferences where confrontation or whatever over Mm -hmm. the years, 
but there's a lot more times where if you get him going, he'll really peel back the curtain and give you a lot of insight. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I see the game through the same lens that he does. I always have. Mm-hmm. I always thought he, I, I beat the drum back in like Oh nine for him here. I was like, get mm-hmm. this guy. I just thought it was right. a perfect fit for the city and everything. And it's been fun, like doing those with him because he's a, it's so weird because we see him and how like, he's so just into the game mm-hmm. outside of that. He is like one chill cat, right? Oh, yeah. Like slow, like real chill. <laughs> how you doing? You know, real calm. And it's not all like, you know, the Brooksy conference, all that stuff, you know, <laughs> it up and all that stuff. Like the speeches, I'm sure they're all there in the game time. But other than that, like he is a chill, laid back cat. I, I've had a really good time, you know, doing those with him. And obviously, you know, promoting rescuing dogs as well, which is a huge. Right, right. I mean, like a lot of people put their name to stuff and just to put their name to it. He is like so elbow deep in it. Like right. him and his wife's foundation. It, it's, it's amazing. So, yeah. Hockey and Hounds, too. Good call. <laughs> all right. Be my is, that that, is that that silly little little podcast that he does? <laughs> Damn it, Case! You know, I, I got done taping with him today, and Brian Smith, who was with him in St. Louis, goes, "Well, that was a silly little podcast." I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before? I would have said, "Hey, it's Hockey Hounds. Welcome to our silly little podcast." Oh, that would have been that, that would have flipped his switch. I bet though. Oh, that would have right. got him on tilt. He, he might... would have gone started going. <laughs> he uh, might be safe to say he's found his Brooksy here in Philadelphia now. But yeah. <laughs> regardless, without getting too far into that. We're going to sign off here for the week. Jason, I can't tell you how much we appreciate this last second, man. I appreciate you coming on. It's been great getting to talk to you. But uh, other than that, folks, thanks for uh, joining us. Check out uh, all of our affiliates to Flyers High and Wide over at Flyers HW. Five-Minute Major Podcast over at Five-Minute Major Pod on X. Aside from that, have a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, let's go Flyers. Bye now. You got it.